Let's turn to Hebrews chapter 10. Thanks to our musicians for uh, taking us there. And for leading us faithfully and uh, just consistently, week in, week out. Hebrews chapter 10. So in response to this stuff, right? In response to Christ, who He is, what He's done, what we know to be true about Him and ourselves and the world and... uh, his sacrifice for us once and for all, um, that we, we no longer bring animals to be sacrificed. We no longer have to um, make that a repetitive thing over and over and over again. We have this com- complete and final uh, opportunity in front of us. By placing our faith in what Christ has done, we can know God forever. And there's no undoing that. There's, no, uh, there's nothing left to be sacrificed. It's complete. He chose to come. He gave up his life. Uh, No one took his life from him. He laid it down himself of his own desires to line up with the will of the Father. And so now, here we are, we, uh, the things we've been singing about, this, this God who is, is a, is a healer, is a restorer, who is the creator of all things that designed to point to him. Uh, All, all, everything that we've been talking about, is supposed to evoke something in us. And so, what do we do with that? What, where do we go? What is, what is life in Christ supposed to look like? For, um, for a Christian, what, is that, what does that mean? You know, and there's a lot of misconceptions out there about what Christians are about, you know, and, and what our focus is, and, and how, we, how we just walk uh, out our faith and what that looks like. And so we go to the scriptures because it's real easy to get caught up in cultural stuff and uh, to kind of get off track and things like that. So we're just going to look at this one passage that I think helps us kind of, it, it shows us what our response should kind of look like. So we'll be in Hebrews chapter 10, starting in verse 19. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places... By the blood of Jesus. Okay? So the, the holy, entering the holy places really means that now we have access to God again because of the blood of Jesus. Verse 20, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain that is through his flesh. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith. With our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. So in these verses, we have uh, the stage has been set, you're saying, uh, because now we have access to God again through what Christ has done. And he is serving as a faithful priest over the house of God. He's, he's that intermediary between us and God, and he's provided this way. Um, the author of Hebrews gives us three, uh, three exhortations, three calls to action that can really, I think, help us 
um, if, if we've kind of ventured off or whatever it is, it can really help us uh, focus and fine-tune what we want our lives to be about and what we're, what we're walking into. Um, so there are three of them in this passage, and uh, that's going to be our, uh, our three main points for tonight. So, um, so look, at verse, look at verse 22. In the text, he's basically saying, because of all this stuff, uh, he says, let us do this, then let us do this, and let us do this. So there's the three things that start with let us. The first one says, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. So the first response that um, the author of Hebrews, which I think is Paul, so if you want to fight about that later, we can fight about that. There's some people who get real hung up on it. I think it's Paul, so I'm going to keep saying that it's Paul. So what Paul is telling us here is that in response to what Jesus has done, the, like he's, he's pushing us and urging us to draw near. So if God has, has opened the door again through what Christ has done, and you're thinking of it as like here's, here is this opportunity, he, like through Christ being the door, now the door is open, the obvious thing is he's saying, hey, come, come in, draw near to me. You know, you don't accidentally draw near to someone. That's a, that's a purposeful thing. It's an intentional thing. So the first response that he tells us here is like, in light of what Jesus has done, get close. Get close to him. But he doesn't just say draw near to him. He, he explains it a little bit more. He says, draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. Hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. We see in that verse this holistic description of what our lives are to look like in, in a drawing close to the Lord, in a relationship with the Lord. It talks about our hearts, talks about our conscience, talks about our minds, talks about our bodies. There's this holistic relationship that... That God really, He really does give a rip about everything about us. Every aspect of our lives, He really, He genuinely cares about that. So a pure heart, sprinkled, sprinkled clean with water, that language kind of points to this, this purity that's there. And so, so there's kind of, a, kind of a play on words would be, like, as we're drawing near, it's, there should be a, like, a holistic holiness about it. Holistic holiness. So in thought and in action and physically and spiritually and emotionally, everything about us, we're bringing our entire selves nearer and nearer and nearer to Christ. He's saying, hey, hey, once you bring me, bring me what's bugging you today. Bring me what's bothering you. Bring me what you're burdened about. So if it's physical sickness, bring that to me. If it's the fact that you've just been filled with rage for the last like week and you don't know what to do about it, bring him your rage. If it's frustration with how he's like guiding your life or running the world, bring that to him. Kind of pointing back to last week. Sometimes I think we, we, we feel like, like we can't be frustrated with the Lord when really he's, he, he's fine with us being frustrated with him. And Paul would say, hey, he's... He's opened the door back to himself again through Christ. So draw near. And draw near in holiness. 
and pursue that oneness with Him and that purity of thought and of mind and of, and of action and of, like in, in every possible way, that there would be this drawing near, this personal relationship, this loving the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. This idea that, that you are in a yoke together with Him. You're, you're tied to Christ now. You're married to Christ now. You're in a family with Christ now. There's this relationship that's there. And I know that probably seems a little bit elementary to us, you know. But sometimes you're like, well, no, I mean, that's why, that's why Jesus died, to have a personal relationship with, with God. But we can't let that become something that's uh, a given, you know. Or something that's just kind of light and it's like, no, 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 I have a relationship with Jesus. We have to hit pause on that sometimes and be like, okay, so this guy we've been singing about and singing to, He's deeply invested in my life. The things that are troubling me, the things that are burdening me, the things that, are, things that I'm walking through, He really, really, really cares about that. And a while back, maybe a year or two ago, I, I don't remember, uh, I talked about the song, Jesus Take the Wheel. Um, I mean, one of the greatest songs ever, right? Um, <laughs> And how, you know, in this, if you're not familiar with it, uh, the basic idea is that someone who is in a situation and they have come to the end of their rope. And they're just like, I can't do this anymore. Jesus, you, you drive. You know, you take the wheel. And there's a lot of times when that's kind of how we live our lives. You know, we're trying to manage, we're trying to get it all done, we're trying to do the best we can, and when we've exhausted every other option, we're like, okay, fine, you drive. That's not what Paul is telling us here. That's not the life that we're called to. That's not how we respond to this Jesus. It's not uh, when you get to the end of your rope and you have nowhere else to turn, let him be your default rescuer. There's a steady drawing near in relationship with a true heart and full assurance of faith, hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and bodies washed with pure water. It's, it's heart, it's mind, it's physical, it's everything about us pursuing holiness by drawing nearer to our God and coming to him and saying, hey, I, it's not a, like you take the wheel thing for me. You're not my last resort. He's not a CEO that's on the top floor of the company who, who doesn't have time to come down and deal with the fact that the copier is acting up. You know. He's like, no, no, bother me with the copier messing up. Bother me with the things that are small. He's a much bigger God than we, a lot of times we understand and think about. I was in Kentucky a few weeks ago with... Uh, seeing family, my brothers and stuff, and um, their pastor was talking about how he, uh, he prayer walks around their, their campus, and they have a, um, basically their church building is set up off the road, and they have like all this blacktop of driveways and parking lots and stuff, and so he said he likes to walk around and get some exercise, and while he's walking, he's praying for his people and stuff, and the blacktop is starting to like come apart, and uh, so he said, every day, you know, I walk to this blacktop and I'm praying. And a lot of times I, I'm, I'm so distracted from praying because I'm just so 
flustered with the blacktop and the fact that we have all these parents coming for our daycare stuff and we really want, we want that to be a great inreach to the community and, and they're coming in, there's potholes everywhere and all this stuff and, and it's going to cost, I don't remember the dollar amount, but it was, you know, he said, I'm so frustrated that we're looking at spending this amount of money on stupid blacktop, you know. When that could be going to like care for people and do I, we'd be doing so much more with this amount of money and and then he said and then I just get frustrated that I was that distracted by the blacktop and kept praying about it and praying about it and he said finally God just told him hey does does the blacktop does that burden you and he said well yeah Lord obviously it burdens me and he, he, he said he just sensed the Lord saying well then bring it to me. Bring it to me. So I care about the blacktop because you care about the blacktop. What a simple, what a simple message, you know. Because everything we go through in life isn't crisis, you know. It's not always like level 10, like whatever. Sometimes it's just the normal, everyday stuff that's going on. And the fact that God's like, no, I, I care about those things too. I care about the, the seemingly little things. I care about the first world stuff. It's a burden to you. It's troubling you. It's weighing on you. It's bothering you. It's distracting you. Draw, just draw near to me. I've made a way. I've opened the door again. There's a priest over the house of God, and the priest says, Come on, just draw near. Pursue me. Pursue purity, holiness in every way, and let's talk about the stuff that's going on. So a relationship with God, it's not more complicated than that very thing. It's not more complicated than your relationships with each other and our relationships with one another, but, but it is far more significant because of who He is. As much as we love one another... As much as uh, our families love each other, and within this greater family, there's so much love and goodness that exists. Knowing Christ is greater than all of that. So Paul says, hey, look, look at what he's done. Look at who he is. Look at who you are. Look at this opportunity in front of you. How should you respond? Draw near. And holistic holiness. Walk with the Lord. Daily, every minute of every day. That's what we're called to. That's what we respond to. So the first thing, the first exhortation is draw near. Um, the second thing, look at verse 23. Then he says, let us, hold, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. What's being described here is a, is a faithful endurance. And this is probably pressing, pressing into some of the more trying things that we deal with. This faithful endurance with all this stuff that life brings our way. So here we are, if, let's say that we're drawing near, and that's steady, and that's daily, what we're essentially doing is we're, we're being trained in godliness. And then when something happens, maybe when, maybe when it bumps up to like a level three, you know, maybe three and a half, 
and we have to hold fast to something and dig in, what we're going to do is we're going we're to do what we were trained to do. So when we're drawing near, and that's a daily pursuit of our lives, we're being trained in this and trained in this, and then when something happens, we're able to do this. We're able to, uh, where'd I go? Uh, we're able to hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. And sometimes that's, that's kind of what we gravitate toward. It's like, that's how you really know, you know, that's what really what life in Christ is. It's like being able to like, no matter what happens, man, you're standing strong. Well, we get there through steadily drawing near and training. I watched, uh, I watched my share of cop dramas and military movies in my day. And one thing I've heard for as long as I can remember watching them, there's this idea that um, when the battles come and when like, these things happen, you do what you are trained to do. You do what you're training for. So that's why they go to boot camp and they do all this kind of stuff and all these real-life training you know, exercises and all this kind of stuff. And they put them in real-life situations and they do all this kind of stuff to train, 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 train. So that when the real thing happens, your, your default is what have you been training to do? So when life bumps up a notch and things are pressing on us and there's a need to endure, if you've been drawing near with... Uh, pure heart. Everything's holy. You're, you're drawing near to Him. Like when that's been happening, it's training you whether you know it or not. So then you know exactly what to grab onto. And so what, is, what are we holding onto? What is a, um, the confession of our hope? What is that? That's Jesus. The confession of our hope. Where's our hope? In Christ. So you grab onto that without wavering. Well, when you've been training and drawing near, that's the natural thing. That's what happens whether you think about it or not. Notice that he says, For he who promised is faithful. That that is the foundation of that hope. He who promised is faithful. So we can grab onto that hope that's what we've been training to do in drawing near. We grab onto it when, when we need faithful endurance. But the basis is not us. You know, it's not our awesomeness. It's not our gifts. It's not our personality. It's not our, it's not our feelings and our circumstances. not our church. Not the things we're good at. Not the things we're bad at. It's not the people around us. It's not any of these kind of things. The foundation for that hope is Him. So because He who promises faithful, when life bumps it up a notch and we want to grab onto something, it's It's stable. That hope is described as an anchor. We have this hope as an anchor. Jesus is the hope that anchors us down. So all this stuff's going on, and it's time to endure and be faithful. Sometimes the reason why we get all tossed around and beat up, and and we end up going through all this kind of drama is because we haven't been drawing near. That hasn't been steady. We haven't been pursuing holiness. We haven't been drawing near to Him. We haven't been training And then something happens and we're trying to grab onto something and it's not familiar to us. We aren't sure what to do. So our response has to begin with that drawing near. And as we draw near, we get better and better at holding fast. 
And then the last, verse 24. Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. Not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day drawing near. So the first thing was draw near. The second thing was hold fast. The third one is to consider, I would say consider one another. is kind of a summary point. To consider one another. Which, it seems like a, at first, like kind of like a, that's not where I thought this was going. To consider one another. In light of who Jesus is, think about each other. But Paul has a pretty good reason for saying that. See, there's this, there's this duality that exists with us. That it is, like for me, like it's life in Christ, it's me and Jesus, and, it, and it's us and Jesus. In some senses, it's me and him yoked together. In other sense, it's like all of us collectively yoked together with him. And you can't, you can't have one without the other one. Like they're they're like really one thing, but they're kind of two things. But it's kind of one thing, you know. It's like a marriage, you know. So the two become one. So you, the wife comes with the husband, but they're still kind of distinct. But they're also kind of together at the same time. So it's this mystery that exists, and that's kind of what life in Christ is like as well. Like you have a relationship with Him, you are drawing near to Him. You are holding fast to him when it's time to faithfully endure. And also, we are drawing near to him. And we are holding fast to him when it's time to faithfully endure. They, they both have to exist. And so I think what Paul is getting at is, is maybe exposing our human nature to kind of drift one way or the other. Instead of seeing them as both, both present and both full and both necessary. That for some, I think you want to be kind of a like lone wolf in your faith. Like, I don't need other people. I don't need the church. I don't need, I don't need any of that kind of stuff. It's just like, me and, me and the Lord are fine. We're, it's fine. It's good. Whatever. So you say yes to you and Jesus, but no to us and Jesus. And there are people on the other extreme where they're, they're really, really into community. I mean, love church on Sundays and love community group and love, love the us aspect of things. But never open their Bibles with just them and Jesus. You know, Never pray alone. Never draw near by themselves. Don't hold fast by themselves. But, they're, but they want to draw near during you know, music time on Sundays. You know? they, want to, they love that intimacy, or they love community group. Or when it's time to hold fast, it's like, hey, I need everybody praying with me and for me on this. But they're never doing it on their own by themselves. You know? And so I think what Paul is doing is, I think he's speaking to our human nature, that, that kind of our personalities might push us one way or the other. And I think he's saying, no, no, they both have to be present in fullness. That you have to draw near, and you have to hold fast, and we have to draw near, and we have to hold fast. So that's why, verse 24, let us consider how to stir up one another 
to love and good works. Where do you think that comes from? Drawing near, holding fast. So how do we provoke one another to do that? How do we stir it up? Like how, do we, how do we keep spurring one another on to love and good works? Verse 25, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some. You think maybe he was busting chops a little bit right there? I think he was. Like, hey, some of you guys think that that's not really very important. You've forsaken the assembly of the saints, and that's no good. That's no good. I'm not saying, like, never miss church. I know sometimes you have to to miss community group. I get that. But he's saying, as is the habit of some. He's like, don't get in the habit of neglecting the gathering. Don't get in the habit of, of failing to consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. You make a commitment to the bride of Christ. You make a commitment to gathering together. You, you invest in those things. Why? Because the two environments feed each other. You, your personal drawing near and holding fast feeds into the communal drawing near and holding fast. And the communal drawing near and holding fast feeds into your personal one-on-one drawing near and holding fast. Those two environments just propel one another. They feed one another. They drive one another. So when we err on one side and we ignore the other side, we're, we're missing out on God's design. So Paul is being, like he's being encouraging and he's teaching and stuff like that. He's also being corrective for some. He's saying all this is very, very, very important. Not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. The day meaning Christ's return. Saying, hey, it's going to get more and more and more important that you encourage and edify one another, that you spur one another on, that you keep meeting together, because it's going to keep getting more and more crazy the closer it gets to Christ's return. Now, certainly they thought it was like any day now at that time. And ever since then, pretty much all the time, everyone's thought it would be any day now. We don't really know. But he knows when that day is coming. And he's told us to keep drawing near and keep holding fast and keep considering one another. That that's what family life looks like for the church. And whether it's in a a closed country somewhere where there's intense persecution toward Christians, or whether it's somewhere like, like where we are here where the persecution looks very different and things are very open, what we're called to and how we're called to live in these kinds of ways matches up completely. That all around the planet right now, and from the, the time the church was founded at Pentecost until this day, these are the things that Christians are called to. This is what our lives should look like. This should describe us. A life of drawing near, steadily, training in holiness and godliness. A, a life of, of holding fast when, when it's time to faithfully endure. We're holding on to that hope because He is faithful. We're doing that personally, we're doing that collectively. We're considering each other. We're in a rhythm of considering one another. How can I spur other people on? How can I receive that kind of encouragement from other people? Paul's telling us, like, this is all in light of who Christ is and what he's done. This is a natural response. This is what 
church life, this is what the Christian life, this is what a family rhythm should look like. And so with all this in mind, we, these are the ideas that drive us as a congregation. That the elders and staff and community group leaders and ministry team leaders, that all of us are, these are the ideas that we're, we're trying to just constantly revolve around. How are, we, how, how are we equipping our congregation to draw near? Whether it's how-tos, you know, like how, how do you pray, how do you study the word, how do you, how do you do this, how do you do this on your own? Or whether it's pushing you a little bit to be like, are you doing this? Are, are you talking to Jesus ever, you know? And some people don't, you know, we don't really like that sometimes. But that's why we structure our small groups the way that we do. It's because there's no more important relationship on, like, like in, in existence than your relationship in, with Jesus. There isn't one. So if that's the most important thing, then maybe when we gather together, we should talk about, hey, how's the, how's the most important thing going today? How's it been? So when our community groups start back this week, and we start, and, and the question is centered around that idea of, like, basically, how, in, how are you and Jesus doing and, you, and your answer is like, oh, you know, I mean, I've had a pretty good week. It's been kind of stressful at work and this and this and this. And somebody in your group is like, hold on, that wasn't the question. The question is, how are you and Jesus doing? And don't get mad at them. Because we love one another enough to talk about the most important thing that exists. And yeah, we structure our small groups in, in a way where it's not, it's not what, what we call an all-skate Remember the skating rink back in the day? And they're like, it's an all-skate. And like, everybody had to come. Like, even the people who can't skate or hate skating or whatever, like, get on the floor, you know. Um, and that's usually when everybody's hurt, you know, pretty much. But, uh, so we don't do that. It's not like we're going to start on my left and go around. Everyone has to answer this. That's not, we don't do that. So if you're thinking about getting in a group and you're like, peace, I'm out, you know, there's no way. That's not how we, how we do things. But we... We believe in the gathering of the saints. We believe in, in congregating together and centering around the most important things that God has for us. So there will be an opportunity for you to say, this is how I'm doing. Or, work has been stressful and this is how I've been taking that to the Lord. This is how I've been drawing near to Him. When I draw near, these are the things on my list that I bring Him. And I'm like, man, this stuff's driving me crazy. That if that is what, like, that's what your answer is, cool. But we're always going to reroute and go back to these ideas. Are we equipping you and providing an opportunity for us to interact in how we're drawing near? Are we walking together so that whenever life hits and it's time for, for that faithful endurance, it's time to hold fast to the hope that we have without wavering, you have people around you that you trust enough to say, hey, this is what's going on. This is how I'm praying about it. This is how I'm drawing near regarding it. I would appreciate it if when you draw near, maybe you could mention that to the Lord too. And maybe you could consider me and how to stir me up into love and good works with this and just encourage me. That's, that's why we do the small group thing. It's not because, well, that's just how you do church. It's like, no, it's not how you do church. That's how he's called us to do church. That's how he's directed us. So in our groups, we have a time where we talk about, essentially, that first thing. How's your drawing near? How's that going? 
What are you having to hold fast to? Is there something going on? How can we build that relationship with each other? And we get into the scriptures together. And then we close with, okay, who's, who is he sending you to? Who's he called you to take the gospel to? Who's he calling you to minister to and to care for that you work with or live with or like whatever that looks like? And we do that weekly and we gather together and it's consistent. And all this stuff comes from the Bible. But this is what we're going for is training in our drawing near so that we could hold fast. And we continue to consider each other as Christ has considered us. So that's the kind of church family that we're that he is making us into here. And I hope that you're a part of it. I hope that you are on board with that. I hope that, that you desire to help your group get there. If you're not a part of a group, it's, a, it's, I mean, there's all, it's always perfect time to jump in. I'm going to always say that. But this is really the perfect time to jump in because we start this week. And we want you to be a part of that. We desire for everyone to be involved in these groups not to spike the numbers or not to have any sort of impressive report <laughs> that we fill out to send in to some agency. But we believe that, that that's the environment that God has called us to, and that's why we put so much into it. And this is not meant to be a commercial for community groups. Um, but if you are serious about responding to Christ for who he is and what he has done, if you're serious about your life looking the way that he made you to look, these are going to be the elements that are there. And so maybe you're here, maybe, maybe you're convicted about the drawing near and the training and holiness and godliness part. Maybe you're convicted about the, the like, taking hold of that kind of hope, or maybe it's the neglecting to meet together, or maybe it's the role you play. I don't, I don't, honestly, I don't really care. Because that's between you and the Lord to walk out and deal with. But I know that he's making us into like this kind of community, this kind of family. And he's done what, what it takes to create this as a possibility. And so if you're sitting here, you're like, man, that's the, that's the kind of family I want to be a part of. Okay, that's the kind of family he's making us into. And so we're going to respond a little bit, maybe a little bit differently than we normally do tonight. We're going to respond through communion. As Christ has made us a family... In this kind of way. So we're going to acknowledge the, the life that he lived. The life that he laid down as a sacrifice. The blood that he shed. And the fact that this, this bonds us together. With every believer all around the world. All throughout all time. There's a unity that exists. And so we're going to step to the table. And acknowledge that uh, tonight. As a family. And then we're going to take time, we're going to pray for our small group leaders because this process that we're talking about, this community that he's making us into, requires leadership of some sort. And uh, we have some faithful folks who, um, who have said yes to playing that role. And so I'm going to pray and then I'm going to lead us through this time of communion. This is another way we respond. We've responded through singing, we've responded by looking at the word, but responding by coming to the table. That's a, that's a big one. So let me... Let me pray for us, and then I'll lead us through this time. Lord Jesus, I am grateful for um, all that you have done, and for who you are and who you have made us. Thankful for, um, for the fact that you have made a way to the Father again, that you are the door 
that is now open. And you are the priests over the house of God. And that you invite us to draw near. That that would be the rhythm of life for us. As we draw near, we, we train, we hold fast, we consider one another. I mean, just thank you that you're making us into that kind of community that we, that we read about there in the scriptures. And now as we respond, we're, um, we know that it's, it's not because of the ring. It's not because of any sort of uh, programming it's put together. It's not about community groups or community group leaders. It's not about any of those kinds of things. By us stepping forward to the table, we're acknowledging where all of this comes from. That you who promised all these things are faithful and is your body and your blood that make all this real to us. We love you very much and we know that it's because you loved us first and that's what we celebrate tonight. So we are grateful and we look forward to this time of response. We pray this in your name. Amen.